Thanks for tuning in to Hand to Hand in the Trenches, a missionary story podcast. I'm Sarah Hickam. And I'm Kimberly Clover. And we are your hosts for this episode of Hand to Hand. Hand to Hand is a ministry outreach of Charity Baptist Tabernacle in Amarillo, Texas. Hand to Hand is a missionary story podcast that tells the true stories of Christians around the world who've hazarded their lives for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Welcome back. This is the fourth and final episode of the story of Naval Chaplain W. Wyeth Willard. Again, we want to remind you he was a well-decorated man during World War II, and he served more days under enemy fire than any other chaplain in naval history. He was very brave, but most importantly, he was very faithful the service that the Lord had given him on the Solomon Islands. When he was sick with dengue fever, he could have been evacuated to Australia, but he chose to stay and continue preaching and ministering to the Marines. In the last episode, the major fighting had shifted from the islands, where Chaplain Willard had been, over to Guadalcanal. So Chaplain Willard moved over there and he spent most of his time at the front on Guadalcanal. Only a small percentage of the men could leave their posts to attend Sunday services. So, Chaplain Willard decided, Well, if the men cannot come to church, then the church must needs go to them. Thanksgiving Day came on Guadalcanal, and understandably, many of the men were homesick and weary. One captain stopped by the chaplain's tent to vent. He griped and complained about his lot. Listen, Captain, you're alive, aren't you? I can see that you have both your arms and both your legs, both your ears and both your eyes. You haven't been killed or even wounded, and you seem to be enjoying good health. Then let me tell you, you have everything to be thankful for. You know, we could all learn a lot from that. We do have a lot to be thankful for. Though you may have some trial going on, God is faithful, and He will never forsake you. Chaplain Willard preached three Thanksgiving Day services, and they were well attended, considering all the men at the front and many others were sick with malaria. 
Then came Christmas Eve. That night, around 620 Marines and sailors sat on the ground as Chaplain Willard led them singing Silent Night, O Little Town of Bethlehem, and many others. The songs were sung with a nostalgic feeling that can only come to men away from home during Christmas for the first time in their lives. On Christmas night, 435 men attended the service. Luke chapter 2 at verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. What a shame, my friends, what a shame. When the king came, the Messiah that had been prophesied of for hundreds of years, what a shame that there was no room for him. And, my friend, today, what a shame if you will not make room for him in your heart and in your life. Please, make room for Jesus. After the service, a Marine and a sailor approached the chaplain. Chaplain Willard, we're wondering, could you uh, baptize us? We're both born again. We grew up in church, but both of us neglected baptism, and, and we're convicted to be baptized now. Of course, men, of course. Let's go to my quarters so we can talk, and then I will baptize you. Nothing would make me happier than for you two men to publicly profess Christ as your King and Savior and Lord on this Christmas day. The day after Christmas, Chaplain Willard officiated a funeral for a sailor who had passed away. That same afternoon, two more men were baptized. And that evening, he was asked to hold service aboard a ship. He was very weary and had to prepare for Sunday services the next day, but he agreed to preach on the ship when they told him those men had not been able to attend services in months. Twenty of the 131 men in attendance accepted the greatest gift ever given, Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. As we mentioned on Guadalcanal, most of the men could not leave the front to attend services, so Chaplain Willard spent a lot of time visiting the men on the front. One of those visits to the front stands out. It was January 4th. Chaplain Willard was provided with two Marine guides to take him to visit the men on the front. He had gone as far as he could by Jeep, so now they started down the narrow footpath. We are in enemy territory. I guess I should remove the officer insignia from my collar? Yes, sir. That would be a good idea. The Japanese snipers are trained to pick officers as their targets. They follow the narrow path which led to the edge of a densely wooded section. A half dozen Marines emerge from the jungle, armed to the teeth and out of breath. Where are y'all going? Ah, good morning. I am Chaplain Willard, and these men are taking me to the front so that I can preach to and visit the men on the front lines. It better not, Chaplain. 
There's a Jap sniper hidden in that jungle along this trail. He has been firing at our men all morning. We can't locate him. He's very good. Well, is there any other trail leading up the mountain? No, sir, there isn't. This is the only trail that I know of. Then how can I get up to the front? I don't think you should until we locate that sniper. He'll definitely fire on a small group like yours. Chaplain Willard wasn't scared, but he didn't want to take unnecessary risks either. He also had to think about the two men that were with him. He knew that for him, death would be a promotion. But he also thought about his wife and children back home in the States. His children were young and would need their father. The sniper obviously would have the advantage. He could be in a tree or lying in the grass someplace and pick them off one at a time. They had to follow the trail. It would take all day to cut a new trail through the jungle. Chaplain Willard thought of all these things, then he thought of the men on the front, living in pup tents or in the caves, or even sleeping in a foxhole. Those men had not had any spiritual edification in quite some time. Come on, men, let's go. The sniper is probably cleaning his gun or, or eating his dinner by now. Yes, sir, but let's try to be as quiet as possible. The three men started through the jungle expecting to hear the familiar zing of a bullet at any time. They moved as quickly as they could, and about 15 to 20 minutes later, they emerged from the jungle. In front of them was a very steep hill. They started up, then they noticed about 100 yards ahead, a group of Marines with rifles raised and ready. Then they realized the three men were Americans. God had protected Chaplain Willard once again. Victory came in the Solomon Islands by the end of that month. The loss of Guadalcanal and the Solomon Islands marked the first defeat of that kind suffered by the Japanese in modern times. Chaplain Willard told everyone they could praise the Lord alone for such a complete victory with comparatively very few losses. You men remember the three days before we landed in the Solomons on August 7th? It was very cloudy and foggy. The Japanese weren't aware of our approach. God Almighty sent the clouds and rain. He was with us in the Solomons. When the Marines boarded the transport to leave the Solomons, there was about 1,200 men buried on the islands. Chaplain Willard had helped to bury a great number of these men himself and he had placed a white wooden cross to mark their graves. During the year, he had been a chaplain, and specifically during the six months on the islands, he had caught the do-or-die spirit of the Marines. It was the same way that the small company of 11 apostles, who without cannons, guns, or swords, but armed with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, went out to conquer a hostile world. We're going to take just a few minutes here to give a short report of the work that Chaplain Willard did in the islands. He kept pretty good records of the services. 
From August 16th through the 23rd, about a week after they had landed, 130 officers and men surrendered their lives to Christ. Many of those newly won converts died in battle on Guadalcanal, but they live forevermore in the presence of the glory of God. Chaplain Willard taught Bible study every Wednesday night, and they had prayer meeting every Friday night. It didn't take very long for Chaplain Willard to run out of the 2,800 Gideon New Testament Bibles that he had. A colonel told Chaplain Willard that the night before his unit went into combat, he saw them sitting around the camp reading the Bibles they had been given. These New Testaments weren't meant to be charms, but Chaplain Willard knew of three men in particular whose lives were literally saved because of them. One of the men was hit in the chest. The bullet pierced his New Testament and stopped at the back cover. Another man's Bible had been smashed pretty thoroughly by shrapnel from a Japanese shell. Chaplain Willard saw the New Testament that had been Private Spicer's. The shell fragment had gone partly through it. Wow, look at this. This is incredible, Private Spicer. I would say that God was watching out for you. Yes, Chaplain, if you have one. I'd like another New Testament. I've made it a practice to read a portion every night before I go to sleep. I've read it through five or six times now. My favorite verse is John 6:37. Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. On the islands, hundreds of men professed faith in Christ. Chaplain Willard baptized 71 of them. One of the men that was baptized was a sergeant. The change was very noticeable to the men in his platoon. Chaplain Willard read a letter from one of his men. Many have been the times in the past when I heard the sergeant swear. Many have been the times when I wondered if he were human when I watched him tear into his platoon in a fit of rage. You witnessed his expression of guilt and plea for mercy when he raised his hand in the meeting. You baptized him according to the scripture, and the change is a marvel. One of the men told me, The sergeant is a changed man. He doesn't swear anymore. He never gets angry. And the way he governs his platoon is further evidence of Christian fruit. Another sergeant named Denton was 24 years old, and he had been an atheist for nine years. One night in his machine gun nest down near the Navy Pier on Tulagi, Japanese destroyers shelled the harbor. Chaplain, the concussion of the explosions all around me was terrifying. There was shrapnel falling right next to me. I felt completely helpless. I uttered my first prayer in nine years. You know, Sergeant, that reminds me of the story that I heard of an atheist who was visiting a dying fellow atheist. The man said to his departing friend, Hold on, old fellow. And the dying man replied, But I have got nothing to hold on to. Tell me, Sergeant Denton, when you were utterly helpless you began to realize that only God could save you. Is that right? 
that's right. Now that I'm saved, I should be baptized, and I need to write and let my family know. They've been praying for me to be saved. Another thing Chaplain Willard used as a chance to witness was the many funerals. Some of the men would not attend any of the services, but they would attend a friend's funeral. The Bible says, I am the resurrection and the life, saith the Lord. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Chaplain Willard had even held services for a Japanese prisoner who had died in the hospital. Another Japanese prisoner who professed Christianity was given a Japanese Bible by Captain Boardman. Of the first 1,000 men in Chaplain Willard's regiment, whose names were entered into his religious register, a fourth, 251 to be exact, were Catholic, the next highest represented denomination was Baptist, 174. In all, there was 14 naval chaplains who served ashore with the Marines from August 7th, when they landed, through January. Chaplain Willard was the only Baptist, and he was often called the Dean or the Bishop. Though they only represented roughly one-fourth of the men, seven of the fourteen chaplains were Catholic. Although God was working in the Solomons, the devil had sent his messengers too. Chaplain Willard noticed during his time on the Solomons that the men who made a name for their regiment and the Marine Corps were, generally speaking, of deep religious conviction. He saw most of them at services on Sundays. Of the group of Marines that would gather in his tent for prayer meeting each Friday, over 50% won either citations, medals, or promotions. He found that Christian soldiers, generally speaking, were more reliable and courageous in combat than those who did not have the knowledge of God. This is just some of what God used Chaplain Willard to do in the six months with the Marines on the islands. He was very weary and his nerves were shattered. He was very thankful that they had won and were now boarding the transports. They boarded on January 30th, and Chaplain Willard was assigned to the very same room, number 103, on the transport that had brought them six months before. They were on their way to New Zealand to rest for a little while. One of the officers on the transport came to Chaplain Willard's room one evening and began asking him many questions. How do you like the Marines, Chaplain? Much better than I had expected, actually. I have found that they are the finest group of men I've ever met. But, Chaplain, aren't there some among them who do not believe the way that you do? And don't you find a few hard-hearted old sinners among them? Yes, there are many who do not believe as I do. Nevertheless, I have been given full liberty to express my conviction and to preach the gospel as I believe it from God's word. 
as for sinner, we have our share. I still hate sin, but a sinner must know he's a sinner before he can get saved. Did you have to change your message or even your behavior to reach those men? No, sir. I have found two things. Number one, the preaching of the unadulterated gospel is welcomed by servicemen. The substitution of social theories or other gospels for the word of God is out of place among men who have come face to face with death. And number two, a chaplain in the Navy and Marine Corps is not expected to give up his ideals or his practices. He does not have to take the bottle just to be one of the boys. With courtesy and tact, he can be a Christian without becoming a Pharisee. During the time the men were in New Zealand, Chaplain Willard preached not only to the Marines who attended services and devotions, but also to the more than 70 men who ended up in jail for misconduct. Chaplain Willard was also invited to speak at many events and preach in many local churches. He even preached to the wife of New Zealand's Prime Minister. One regimental commander, Colonel Hall, stopped Chaplain Willard after hearing the preaching one day and began to talk to him. Chaplain, I want to thank you for the message today. Well, praise the Lord, Colonel Hall. He is good. I fell under conviction like I haven't known for quite some time. I grew up in Sunday school, but somehow I slipped away from it. But when I get back to the States, things are going to be different in my home. My wife and I are going to get back in church. Thank God. I'm so glad to hear that, brother. Then the rest was over, and it was time to board the transports and lift anchor again. The great armada of aircraft carriers, battleships, cruisers, destroyers, and transports full of marines were on their way to Tarawa in the Gilbert Islands. Chaplain Willard was a little discouraged on board the transport because his new supply of Gideon New Testaments had failed to arrive. There was a Catholic chaplain from Rhode Island who had an ample supply, and it took very little persuasion for him to give all of them to Chaplain Willard. We find it fitting that the Baptist was very concerned about getting God's word to the men, while the Catholic didn't seem to care or want to be bothered with it. On board the transport en route to Tarawa, many sailors and marines were born again, 44 as a matter of fact, and 62 men were baptized. The executive officer allowed Chaplain Willard to use the weir observation turret as a baptistry. The Japanese knew that the marines were coming and were prepared to defend the small two-and-a-half-mile-long island of Tarawa. Again, Chaplain Willard landed with the Marines under enemy fire. The enemy artillery fire was very intense, just like it had been on the Solomons. 
God protected Chaplain Willard at Tarawa. A little while after he landed, a major stopped him. Chaplain Willard, I'm sure glad to see you alive. Heard a report that you'd been killed during the landing. Well, I'm glad to be alive, Major. Although, I have had many close calls. There have been bullets whizzing past my head all morning. But God is good. The fighting was very intense all day and even into the night. The next morning, Chaplain Willard saw the body of a dead Marine. He went over and looked at the name on the helmet. It said, W.C. Culp, the man who had been his faithful assistant for three months in the Solomons before he had been promoted to lieutenant. He had only been saved a couple of years from a life as a drunkard, but God had changed him. He led his platoon in the opening attack on Tarawa and had given a good account of himself before he fell mortally wounded. His final words were, Oh, my Lord. The Battle of Tarawa didn't last near as long as the Battle of the Solomons. It only lasted for 76 hours, but it was the most heavily defended island invaded by the Allies in the Pacific. 6,400 men from both sides died on that small island. The bloodiest battle in the history of the Marine Corps was over and the Americans had won. They were 800 miles closer to their objective, Tokyo and peace. As the transport sped away, Chaplain Willard thought about all the times that he had nearly been killed and about the friends he was leaving behind. I wondered, but why has God taken so many of my friends and yet has seen fit to spare me? Then I realized the only reason my life has been spared was that I must preach the glorious gospel of the dear Son of God, Christ, the Savior of the world, Christ, the hope of the world, Christ, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. After the presidents, the prime ministers, the emperors, the mighty kings, the potentates, the dictators of this world have all departed and their bones have blended with the dust, he shall reign forever and ever and ever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Thank you, Lord for sparing my life in order that I may continue to serve thee. And so, this ends our story of God's great protection of Chaplain W. Wyeth Willard during the campaign in the Pacific during World War II. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, Here's a verse that Chaplain Willard believed and that we should keep in mind. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, 
For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel.